بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد يا أيها الذين آمنوا إن تتقوا الله يجعل لكم فرقانا ويكفر عنكم سيئاتكم ويغفر لكم والله ذو الفضل العظيم But dear uh, brothers and sisters and dear ulama, uh, dear friends, uh, today the topic is about uh, challenges with uh, uh, teenage uh, years and bringing up teenagers. It's going to be a very, very difficult topic for me to speak about because we have teenagers here. So I need to speak to them and I also need to speak to parents about how to deal with teenagers. So uh, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but this is difficult. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. The world we live in has questioned everything that used to be considered to be absolute, fixed, definitive, definite and firm and solid. Everything is now under question to such a degree as to what a human being is, uh, was never questioned before as to what a human being was and what a man was and what a woman was. Uh, this is something that was quite fixed from before as to what everything was. Now, even that is being questioned and that is being challenged. And there are various different types of um, questions and um, identities and so on. So that obviously creates a huge amount of confusions in the mind of a lot of people, especially if you're not guided as to, to understand what is what and what is correct and what is not correct. Uh, we don't just go with the flow. Muslims don't just go with changing times in the sense that if something was considered to be taboo and wrong and incorrect and a vice uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, or maybe for the entire history, and now suddenly people are generally legally considering it to be fine so now you must also consider it to be fine because our ideology and what we believe in to be right and wrong, our ideology comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given some very specific guidances regarding uh, fixed ideas in this world, which we abide by wherever we go, wherever we are. Those are timeless ideas regarding humanity and human behavior and so on and so forth. Yes, there are certain things which are left to the community, which are left to convention uh, in terms of what kind of foods are eaten. Uh, for example, in certain places you eat more potatoes than in other places. There's nothing wrong with that, right? In some countries you go there, potato is considered a very inferior food, whereas in other places people really enjoy their fish and chips, right, with a lot of relish. I remember I had invited somebody from a particular country and we'd made chips and they didn't touch it. I said, we eat this, we really enjoy chips. They didn't want to touch it because they thought that's inferior food. So there's the vegan movement now, less meat, more, more vegetables. That's a bit of a tough one. So those kind of things are fine as long as you don't consider something impermissible that Allah has made lawful or that you don't consider something to be lawful, which Allah has made unlawful. Those are things. So there are certain things we leave to the community. Now, when it comes to teenagers, it's even more confusing. So, for example, once uh, a father uh, said to his, he's got uh, children who are, uh, some children who are older, some children who are younger. The younger one uh, was doing something which was uh, not, con uh, which the older one was telling them off about. Why are you doing it this way for? But the child, the younger one, was very clear in their mind. They thought they were doing the right thing and they were protesting that, why can't I do it this way? The older one is saying, you don't get it. You can't do it this way. So we're talking about somebody who's five or six years old and the older one is 15, 16 years old, for example. The older one is telling the younger one off, you can't do this. He's trying to stop them and the younger one isn't listening. They're very fixed in their idea. No, I can do this. So the father said to the older child after they finished their discussion, that, you know, just the way 
you understood what the younger one was doing wrong and you were trying to tell them that they were doing something wrong but they were not understanding that they were doing wrong in their little mind with the experience they have they want to play they want to do what they're doing they don't see it as wrong but you have another five ten years above that with the experience so now you understand it's wrong so you are trying to tell them off same happens when we try to tell you that the father said and you don't understand either. You think you're right at the age of 15 of what you're doing. But we are 35. You know, we're 20 years older than you. So we're trying to tell you, but you don't understand. So this is the same example. Right? If you've ever had that example, that's the example that uh, people who are older than you are usually going to know more than you. Right? Because as teenagers, you probably only have had 15, 17, 20 years of experience. Whereas your parents may have had 30 years, 40 years of experience. So they've been teenagers before. They did not become adults just like that. Right? However, to try to explain that is complicated. If your parents are telling you to um, not waste your time on social media, you think they're just trying to restrict you, they're just being bad to you. But there's a reason they tell you that. Because uh, when you've been on social media for such a long time, you you understand there are harms and dangers that come with this, which you don't understand. We've had people who've had many, many problems on social media, including speaking to teenagers, uh, speaking to strangers that they don't even know. But because younger people tend to be less experienced, more gullible, more naive, uh, it's easier for people to convince them in the wrong way. And what they might be convincing you to do might sound cool, might sound innocent, might sound fine. And you don't know that. So usually that's why adults are needed to try to explain and help you. Right? You need loving adults, not people who show you fake love. So that's why for the parents, this is very, very difficult. That we need to have communication, communication, not just love for our children. Mashallah, most parents, I would say, love their children. They'll do anything for their children. They make a lot of sacrifices for their children. They'll die for their children almost. However, not, you don't need just love. Blind love is, is not good enough. Love actually blinds you and deafens you. So you can't see the reality. You can't see around. So just love is not good enough. Intelligence, prudence, understanding... And open discourse is very, very, very important. You can't just switch on to speak to your children after they became teenagers and they start having problems. That discourse and uh, in, uh, interaction must be there from a young age. That the children know that they have parents who they can come and speak to about anything and they're not going to be uh, dealt with in the wrong way. They know that they've got a loving parent who understands and who will deal with it in a calm way. I've got a challenge. I can speak to my parents about it. Otherwise, everybody goes through certain challenges. Everybody goes through certain challenges. If you have nobody to speak about, speak to regarding the challenges, then they're going to find somebody to speak about. And usually they're going to find a friend. Same age. How are they going to help them? How much wiser is their 15, 16, 14-year-old friend is going to be? How much wiser are they going to, going to be? If you're very, very lucky, you might find a very, very wise friend, but otherwise you don't usually have that. That's why they need somebody to speak to. That's why I always say you have to have at least one of the parents who can have a always open discussion. And the children know that they can come to this parent and have an open discussion about whatever is going on. Now, it's not just that we're available for a discussion. We actually have discussions. So we actually have discussions. We can't be blinded in this. The world is a very crazy place right now, right? Uh, major ideas, multiple ideas, and everybody's competing. It's the age of advertisements, of promotion, of business, of consumerism, of capitalism. Everybody's seeking everybody's attention to try to sell you something. If they don't want to sell it to you directly, they're trying to sell you an idea so that there's more consumers in the world. There are so many things that are happening now and 
uh, even laws which are made. One of the reasons that these laws are being made, although sometimes they make no sense, is because there are major financial backers of major industries that are campaigning for these things, that are rallying for these things, that are giving big donations uh, to uh, political parties so that they can pass certain laws which allow for certain industries to work so that the people of those industries will ultimately benefit, whether that be through uh, various different products, whether that be, uh, un unless it gets, unless it gets uh, everybody really wakes up to smoking, for example. Right? There's a lot of harmful products out there which are totally illegal. A lot of harmful aspects like various different types of surgeries because somebody's making money in these things and they will make a lot of money in these things. We are living in that world of capitalism and consumerism. There's money generally behind everything. Right? So one has to be very, very careful. So parents can't just be available to speak. They need to actually discuss some of the most important aspects that are going on and they expect their children will be speaking about. You'd be surprised what a nine-year-old knows about today that uh, when you were a nine-year-old, this was not a discourse. It's changed that much. In the last 20 years, how things have changed haven't changed before that. In some aspects, it's changed so much. So you can't think that, oh, it was okay when we were young. This is the way we did it. We're living in a different world right now. That's why we have to, uh, one, of the, one of the ways to deal with this is to be speaking to other parents. And for parents to share experiences with like-minded, trustworthy individuals. A lot of parents will have issues with their children, a certain issue, but they don't want anybody to know, so they won't speak to anybody about it and they'll struggle and they won't know how to deal with it. They don't get any help because they think that somebody can't help them or somebody's gonna find out or it's going to be embarrassment for me or so on, and it's too late sometimes. Yes, if you can deal with it, alhamdulillah, there's actually a lot of help online. There's a lot of help online, both from non-Muslims and Muslims, about how to deal with certain difficulties that teenagers go through, because everybody's going through these difficulties, uh, not just Muslims, it's a lot of Christians, uh, Jewish people, a lot of other uh, people are going through. There's a lot, lot of concern out there. So you can, as long as you search for it. But let us try to exchange ideas. You can do it anonymously, but let us try to exchange ideas, because these are generic problems that a lot of children are having. There's so many children by the age of 14 and 15, they've connected themselves uh, to somebody in another country who has basically convinced them that Islam is a problem and that there is no faith. I have had dealt with, in the last year, I've dealt with two cases like that. Literally 15-year-olds, 14, between 14 and 16-year-olds, a boy and a girl, they were communicating with somebody unknown uh, to the parents, right? Because it's done through either Twitter, uh, uh, it's either done through uh, Twitter private chat or some other kind of private chat. And you can't see because a lot of the time what happens is that if the child is very expressive, see every teenager is different. Everybody has a different personality. Some teenagers are very expressive. They say everything in their mind, right? They speak about everything that's on their mind. And so you know exactly, you can read them. You know what's going on with their life. So you can discuss the more difficult teenagers are the ones who don't speak. They're closed books. They're very sensitive. You try to talk to them about something, they, they get angry. They get upset. If you're a teenager like that, you, 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 you could be really, really damaging yourself because you're not willing to speak to somebody about your issues. And you could be basically going down the wrong way. Right? It, 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 you, you have to learn to trust uh, reliable people. Not just somebody stranger that you find online or something like that. If you're a closed book, and if your child is a closed book, it's very, very difficult. Especially if they're sensitive because you don't want to upset the scene. So it's like, let them do it. And then it's too late because you won't know until it's too late when they've lost everything. That's, that's the most difficult part. That's why we can't just wake up to this when they become 16 and 17. This has to be done from a young age. So that we need to be, have that trust between us. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this verse that I just uh, read at the beginning, I think it's in Surah Al-Anfal, O people who believe, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, intattaqullah, if you truly fear Allah, if you fear Allah, meaning you have consciousness of Allah. I don't like to use the word fear Allah because fear it means you run away from who you fear, usually, or you fight with who you fear, right? Because if you fear somebody, you're either going to fight or run away. With Allah, you don't do any of that. You can't fight with Allah and you can't run away from Allah. So it's actually more reverent fear. Where I fear Allah in the sense, if you want to use that word, it just means I fear Allah in the sense that I don't want Him to see me somewhere where I shouldn't be. I don't want Him to see me disobedient. I don't want Him to see me doing something where I feel so embarrassed. He's given me so much. I owe him so much. I'm here, I mean, I owe him my creation. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Allah. I don't want him to see, I don't want him to be unhappy with me. I don't want to do anything and then he see me like that. Right? So that's kind of what it is that if you're conscious of Allah, of what he is doing and what he wants from us, then furqana, Allah will make a clear way for you, a clear criterion for you, a clear distinction between what's right and wrong. That is the most confusing thing. For a lot of people, they just don't know what's right and wrong, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove from you your evil deeds. That if you do make mistakes, Allah will uh, compensate and expiate them and forgive them. He will forgive you because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has immense and mighty amounts of grace. And mighty amounts of kindness and grace that he gives to people because that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Now, a lot of people, they look at verses like this. They think we're religious. I pray on time. I fast. I force my kids to pray and fast. And they think that's what's important. Now this is where it gets difficult. I send, they say, I send them to Islamic schools. I made sure they prayed all the time. I used to even wake them up for tahajjud. Problem is that that doesn't always work that way. That's not enough. It's good, but it's not enough. Uh, you can't have a dry Islamic life because Islam is not supposed to be dry. I understand this from certain questions that people will ask me. They get into some really, really nitty gritty stuff and you can tell that their life must be very, very dry because of the way they ask their question. Islam is enjoyable. Islam has to be made enjoyable, not a dry religion that your child, your children don't want to take on. How do we, this is the biggest challenge, I think. This is the biggest challenge. How do we enjoy life in a halal way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to enjoy and our children understand that enjoyment, that there's multiple ways of enjoyment within Islam. For example, I got a call once from a sister who is saying that I've got uh, some relatives who are asking my children, because my children are finished and they're going to finish hivs of the Qur'an, so they're asking them, when is, are you going to feed everybody? When's the, the, the party for your hips khatam? So now these children, poor guys, you know, they're 14, 15 years old. They're coming to the parents saying, when is, are we going to feed everybody for this? And this parent is asking me, is that allowed to do? They're saying this. They're actually religious people. Why are they putting these kind of ideas in my uh, children's minds? And I said, well, what's wrong with feeding somebody? What's wrong with feeding somebody on happiness? I mean, don't people feed people for happiness? Isn't it'am ta'am feeding somebody good? It's not obligatory, but isn't it'am ta'am? The Prophet actually said, feed people. Isn't this a good opportunity? And especially in the uh, where we are, there are so many celebrations that are made as an excuse to make more money for, uh, for, uh, for capitalist businesses, Mother's Day and this day and Valentine's Day and that day, which, you know, we don't necessarily celebrate, right? So can we not have... Certain days that are genuinely days of happiness isn't finishing Qur'an khatam something amazing. It's one of the greatest miracles. So shouldn't we be feeling, of course, if we don't have the money and the means, that's understandable. right? But literally, this was a question in their mind. This was a question in their mind. I was like, what a dry people you are. It's like, I had to tell them off. I said, like, what's wrong with that? When do you feed? When do you invite people for, for, you know, to, to do this with? Why are you being so, so, so stingy for? You don't have to feed a, 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 a thousand people. You can feed 40 people, 30 people, 20 people. At least your children will think that, yes, I matter. What I did was accomplished. 
then you don't have to put Christmas lights up at Christmas time. This is attraction. You go to school, there's going to be jingle bells and there's going to be golden glitter at Christmas time. And when it comes to your Eid, you're at work. And you don't even take, you don't even make Eid a special time. You just go to the morning prayer, that's all you do. That's prayer. And you don't do anything else on Eid. There's no special food that you make or nothing. The Prophet said, especially Eid al-Fitr is the day with your family and food and drink. So you can make some special food on that day. And in Qurbani Eid, the second one, which is going to come up, it's all about meat. So have a barbecue. You know, enjoy the meat. Make it a big deal. Understand the significance of these things. Because there are just so many celebrations out there. So many excuses to celebrate out there. Birthdays and all sorts of things. Right. I got a call the other day. Are we allowed to hold a gender reveal party? I said, uh, this person was, uh, I think she was an alima so who asked this question. I said, why would you want to do that for? Oh, an excuse to bring everybody together and then we're just going to reveal the gender because uh, she's pregnant. Um, I said, look, I don't like that idea because it's a trend, that's why. Right? Why does, do you need a party to let people know the gender? Just tell them. If you're worried about them buying the wrong color clothing, right? Or gifts because they don't know if it's a male or female, right? This is about, this trend is about four to five years old. It, it never existed before, right? It's a new one. Now you want to do it as well. So it's just, why follow trends? This is why what is very, very important is make your own trends that are important, religiously important. I said it's not haram for a gender reveal party. I'm not making it haram because I don't see anything haram about it. But why follow a trend that is not productive? Be productive individuals. This is one of the biggest challenges that we're having is that the reason why our children want to do certain things. The social media, follow certain influences, and so on, is because it's peer pressure. That's what they hear from their friends. That's what the people around them are doing. So they want to do the same thing. Now, if we've never taught our children to think independently, because we don't think independently, that's why. We follow trends as well, right? Except that because we're a bit wiser, we know what trends to follow but we're not willing to go against the grain, how are you going to teach your children to go against the wrong kind of ideas and to be independent and be proud of their independence? How are you going to do that if you can't do that yourself? Who's going to teach your children to do that? Otherwise, they're going to be swept away by the tide. Give you a very simple example. On YouTube, you can actually check this out. There's some teenagers, 14-year-olds, right? How old are you, bae? Mr. Pillar? You're 14. All right. So you go to the park to play and you got some friends down there. Suddenly one of your friends, they give you a spray can. A spray can. And tell you, do some graffiti on this somebody's house. Will you do it? Why not? You're getting in trouble. That's why. And nobody's going to find out. And they're going to call you chicken if you don't do it. You can't be their friend anymore. You can't be in that gang anymore. You can't be in that circle anymore. You better do it. Otherwise, you're not going to be part of them. Are you going to do it? What are you going to do? You're not going to have any friends anymore. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay at home. So why do you go to park in the first place if you want to stay at home then? I know it's very easy to say that, right? But do you understand how difficult that will be? Don't you think it'll be difficult? You really think you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to do it? You're going to say that, right? So... They did this experiment where somebody was doing this and most of the children ended up doing it. The only children that didn't. Right? And the only way they escaped is they literally walked off and they said, I don't care, I'm going home. Why? Because they had a welcoming home where they could go and feel comfortable. They felt that was a sanctuary, that was a place of safety. If you don't feel comfortable going home and it's not a welcoming place, then you, you need another group to belong to. And you're going to feel bad. You might not want to do it, but you'll do it because you want to belong to that group. If we've never taught our children how to stand for the right, 
and step away from the wrong, you're never going to be able to do that. That's why we have to be aware. You can't expect that the Maulana, the Madrasa to teach them all the time, everything. We have the biggest responsibility. Right? So the only children that were able to walk away was like, I feel, uh, they had a place to go to. Right? They had a place to go to, which was home. A lot of kids don't want to be at home. They'd rather be outside because at home it's suffocating. There's no enjoyment at home. There's no enjoyment at home. Because the parents are too busy. Or they're just too focused on the wrong things. Or they're just too strict about certain things. There's no enjoyment. Islam is an enjoyable religion. But a lot of people don't understand it. They think you can only get enjoyable in haram. So they don't understand how it's enjoyable to practice your Islam. You think all of those people who practice Islam well and do well, you think they're like boring people or something? You think the Sahaba were boring? Just read their stories. You'll understand how enjoyable their life was. For the sake of Islam. And they kept it right as well. There's enjoyable, enjoyable life beyond the haram. You can do a lot of halal things. There's a lot of halal things that you can do. That's why, I mean, multiple ideas. You can go on halal trips. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to explain the difficulties. The other thing is that if we want them to do something, let's, let's just say that you want your child to pray dhuhr at, the, uh, at school. And it's not a Muslim school or an Islamic school, so there's no place. Uh, there, there's, uh, you know, it's up to them if they want to pray or not, and they have to find room. They have to, and uh, they're constantly not praying in school. So what are you going to do about it? So you have to be very, very practical about this. So, for example, you say, okay, why didn't you pray? Um, oh, it's because I couldn't do wudu. Say, like, why couldn't you do wudu? Because I. Uh, I don't like to wash my feet in front of everyone. For example, right? In the toilets. Okay. So this is what one parent did. Said, okay, fine. So his children have always worn wudu socks. Normal socks cost one to two pounds. Wudu socks cost 18 to 20 pounds each for each pair. His children have worn wudu socks in school. So it makes it easy for them to make masa on the socks. You have to invest in these things and you have to think about these things. Why can't you pray? Oh, I couldn't find a place to pray. There's no prayer room. So, okay, do you, is there an empty classroom? Can you speak to a teacher? Or you speak to a teacher uh, or the tutor or whoever it is that, look, my son, because it's winter time, Zahar and Asr comes very close together. By the time they come home, they'll miss the prayer. They're balig, they're, they're, they're mature, they have to pray. So would you mind if they, it just takes five minutes. You know, just need... Uh, place on the side it'll put out something and just pray you have to uh, communicate because you can't expect your children to just work it out right we have to communicate and try to give practical examples about how, how this is done it's very easy for parents to just give iPads and things like that to the children and then let them entertain themselves for hours and hours and they don't bother you because there's uh, on the iPad and on these kind of things there's a, a lot of amazing stuff that will keep you entertained for a long time. But there has to be restrictions on these things. There has to be... You, uh, parents have to be so careful about what their children are doing. They have to be so in tune with their children that they recognize any change in their children. They, and when you live close enough with somebody, you can actually figure out just from their behavior, there's something going on. They're a bit upset today. They're concerned today. They're dismissive today. They're inattentive today. They're preoccupied today. And then slowly, slowly you try to speak to them. A lot of the time, if there's a mistrust, a distrust between parent and children, you have to get somebody else involved. You have to find somebody who can trust, who, like a cousin, an older cousin, an uncle that the child, uh, uh, an auntie that the child is uh, maybe got a better relationship with. Because sometimes... Uh, we burn our bridges. Sometimes we burn our relationships because, you know, maybe we were just too strict or we just did it in a particular way. We don't have that open communication anymore. It must be somebody else. Somebody you can trust. Let them speak to them. Let them, an older cousin, an auntie or an uncle, let them speak to them. Find out what's going on. It's our responsibility at the end of the day. We know when something's going on with our children. We can't be so oblivious in our own world that we just don't know what's going on. You have to be aware all the time. For example, if teenagers start taking showers at odd times, 
something going on. What's going on here? They're not used to taking that many showers and suddenly something going on. They stay in the toilet for a long time and suddenly they've got a shower. Have you got a problem? Is it a medical issue or is it something else? Have you learned some bad, uh, some bad uh, practices? You have to cut it. You have to speak about it. Deal with it from a younger age. From as soon as you find out these things. Otherwise, it's too late. It becomes much more difficult. Okay, what I'm going to do is uh, um, to make it more relevant, I'm going to let you ask questions. Okay? Uh, so then I can actually deal with specific questions that relate to what's on your mind. What is the most important message of today? You have to tell me that. Right? Every message of mine was important, I think. So you have to tell me which was the one that you remember the most. Okay? Whoever answered this question. Are online games allowed? Wait, depends on the nature of the game. Some games are allowed and some games are a bit weird and some games are not allowed. So if, there, if you can tell me which game you're talking about, I can maybe try to answer your question better. Okay, because there's so many online games. Some are haram, some are fine, and some are not too good. Okay, so tell me which ones you're talking about. Tell Aisha to oh, ask him if the teenager going out all the time and back home late how can we advise them to tell Ustad advice the teenager about going out with non-mahram? How can they stop their own? So again, you see, if, you ha if your child likes to go out and would rather be outside more than they would be inside the house, then there's a problem. There's no enjoyment in the house, that's why. It's probably boring in the house, that's why. Okay. So you have to find out what ways to make it more interesting to stay in the house. Now look, there's some kids who don't like going out. Now we have a new issue. Some kids don't like going out, but they don't like to be with the family either. They want to stay in their room with their door closed on their computer. With multiple people around the world. That's also a problem. That's why the rule in the house should be that any devices must be used in the public room. That everybody can see what's going on because nothing should be hidden. What should be hidden? That includes the parents and everybody. It's a very important rule. That's why have, I mean, suggestion, have desktops instead of iPads. It's so easy to do things wrong with an iPad than a desktop, which it's big screen, everybody watching it. Very important. A bit old-fashioned, but that's the way it is. Regulate the time. Now, somebody going out all the time, I need to find out why they're going out and why can't they be at home. There must be a reason. There's no magic here. Because if I'm going to stop them, they're going to feel uh, uh, upset. Why are they feeling upset? What is so great outside? I mean, there's multiple ways to do this. If, if there's a child who wants to go out all the time, well, you could say, look, you want to stay here, you are under my rules. You want to go on and living for yourself if they're old enough and you want to stay out, that's your problem. Go pay your rent, go find some, some place, other place to stay. You want to stay here, there's rules here that you have to follow. But again, why were they allowed to stay out for so long in the first place? Why are you asking this question now for? What happened? Why were they allowed to do that the first time and the second time? This is the question I'm going to ask. So we have to find out why they're doing this. Without that, it's so difficult to answer these questions. I don't, want to, I don't have magic. I don't have an answer for everything. A lot of the questions require the understanding of why they're doing what they're doing so that we can try to understand from that. If someone punches me at school, can I punch his face back? Um, but let's put it this way. Question is that, why did they punch you? Is it because you bothered them first? Like if you bother somebody first and they punch you, then well, you ask for it, right? In Islam, technically speaking, if somebody punches you on the arm, you can punch them back on the arm. You can't punch them on the face. The face should be avoided at all costs. Nobody should hit anybody on the face. Okay? Nobody should hit anybody on the face. Now, what I would suggest is that if you punch them back, are you going to get more in trouble? Let's just say that somebody... Uh, uh, kids, understand this. If somebody punches you and the teacher did not see that, and then you punch them by getting angry and the teacher saw that, who's going to get in trouble? Exactly. So don't be silly about it. There's so many children, they're very silly about this. They, they get provoked, then they will do something and they'll get into trouble because the other person is more clever about the way they bothered you. So be intelligent. 
be intelligent about the way you don't get yourself in more trouble because of somebody else's foolishness. Don't get yourself into trouble because of somebody else's foolishness. Be more clever about it. Celebration of birthday, is it allowed? Or these, uh, or is there any age limit to celebrate birthdays? There are two views about celebrating birthdays according to our ulama. Some are against it completely that you don't do it. Others say you can do it because it's not a religious celebration. It's a very common celebration now that happens everywhere. It's, uh, it, it's something that people do uh, because of their age. It's got nothing to do with Christianity or any other religion, anything like that anymore. It's a modern kind of idea now. So they say it's okay. Um, I would say that if you are going to get together on a birthday, we don't do it. But if you are going to get together, then I think you need to give advice. It should not just be a celebration that I'm one year older. Because I don't see the point. I think there needs to be a reflection as well. I'm one year older. Maybe I've become balik, maybe I've become mature now, I've become more responsible. I'm getting one year closer to death as well. I've got one year less in life as well. So think of birthdays as, a, uh, as not just, um, uh, oh, I'm one more year older. Like, I don't get that. What, what did you do? Maybe have it as a time of reflection. If you are going to do something like this, according to the permissible view, if you are going to do it, what did you achieve in the last year? What are all the good things that you've done? What are certain resolutions you want to do for your next year? Okay, now you're nine years old or you're 15 years old now or you're 17 now. Okay, what do you want to do for the next year? What do you want to achieve? Maybe if you want to do it as a reflected time, I don't see a problem with it. But if it's just, you're going to have a birthday cake and you're going to blow, the, blow it out with one breath and then you're going to make a wish, that's just stupid. Okay, you're just following the trend with no productivity. As I said, if you need a new phone, then buy it because you need one. Don't buy it because it's the new one that's come out and your one is completely fine. Do you understand? Stop following people for wrong things. Be productive. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I just don't understand one thing. You know when you have weddings, right? And it's going to be eating time. Why do they put nasheeds on? Can anybody explain to me the wisdom of putting nasheeds on when everybody's going to be sitting, eating, talking to one another? Can you tell me why they do that? The wisdom behind it? Sasa, why do they do this? Why do they put nasheeds on when everybody's eating? They do this, right? Don't they? Why do they do it? Is there any reason? Is there any benefit in doing that? Can you see what I'm saying? It's just because somebody else that you think you have to do it. Just think for yourself. Stop becoming sheep. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and, the, and this uh, nasheed comes on. It's like, I want to talk. Like, what's your problem? Put this thing off. Oh, my mom said it has to come on. Like, why? You want to bother you? It gives everybody a headache? Just stupidity. Just because somebody else is doing it, you're doing it. If you want it to look nice and you're buying flowers because you want people and you got the money and you can do it and not showing off, fine. But don't do it because everybody else does it. Start doing things for productive reasons rather than just following the trend and wasting your money. Okay, are there any other questions? Allahu Akbar, So I guess your question is that, for example, a school, something bad happened on tic, uh, with a student on TikTok, so they mentioned it to everybody. And there's other people who don't know about TikTok, so now they're going to be curious and find out about TikTok, right? That's what you're saying. That's a very difficult thing to deal with because... The school, I'm assuming, assumes that everybody knows about TikTok already. Okay? So they're going to think we're not really telling anybody about TikTok. Everybody knows about it already, but we're trying to warn people about the harms of TikTok. So I don't think they're doing anything wrong in that. We just have to be careful that we don't just start following everything that just because I've downloaded TikTok twice or thrice because somebody sent me something and it forces you to download the app. I downloaded it and then... I checked a few things and I was like, man, this is haram stuff. This is really bad, right? So uh, I got rid of it, right? So what I'm saying is that you just have to, uh, so I guess what I'm going to tell you now is that all of our young people and our older people, technology is only going to become more sophisticated and more crazy and more realistic and more attractive. It's very difficult for us to say haram, haram, haram because it's, there's good things you can do with it as well. For example... Chat GTP and a lot of other AI stuff that's coming out, okay? 
we have to just be careful how we deal with these things. We use them for what's right. We have our own boundaries. We've had them from before, right? That you can apply them to this. The Prophet ﷺ told the Sahaba, he said, I want ittaku al-julusa fi turuqat. Stop sitting in the roads, on the roads. You know, after Salat, you go and you sit around. They do that in many countries, right? Stop sitting there. Now, they didn't have any coffee shops or anything in those days. So the Sahaba said, uh, this is necessary for us because this is where we communicate and uh, this is where we discuss certain things that are important for us, right? So the Prophet said, fine, if you insist to do this, then give the path its right. Uh, lower your gaze and uh, give salam. And he gave certain conditions. Same things apply online. If you have to be online, if you don't have to be on TikTok, you're not going to lose anything, believe me, right? You're wasting a lot of time. You could be much more productive doing a lot of other stuff. Okay? Likewise on YouTube and a lot of other stuff. Especially TikTok is an absolute waste of time. But it's very attractive. It knows exactly how to tune your brain. Okay? They've put literally millions of pounds behind understanding how your brain works and what you like. And they just know from what you, uh, which videos you stay on more. They know exactly what you like so they give you more of those. It's like somebody there understanding you straight away and giving you exactly what you want. Oh, I like this sweet. They're going to give you a lot more of that sweet. That's exactly what it is. Don't think that it's innocent. Don't think it's innocent. They know exactly what it is because they get more money the more you stay on TikTok. How do they get money? Because there's advertisements. So advertisers will pay them, right, to be, ad to allow to be allowed to advertise. And the more you go on there, you're just making money for them. Right? So don't think you're doing them a favor or you're doing yourself a favor. Right? You're doing them a favor. Right? So don't waste time. We're going to have to be very, very careful as the future moves on right? and technology moves forward about restraining ourselves and what we do. Right? So don't just go and check out everything that's there. If you want, check it out and then understand it's haram and get out of it. Can you run away from the police if they are Islamophobic to you? Um... I don't know where you're going to go. If they're Islamic phobic to you, they're going to come after you, going to find your house. So that might not be the best way to deal with it. The best way to deal with it is to go and get some help. If they're trying to frame you up for Islamophobic, you know, because they're Islamophobic, go and get a solicitor, right? Come, come to our brother Muhammad Samin Saab and he'll guide you to a solicitor or somebody that will help you to, um, otherwise running away, I don't know if that's going to help. Okay. If the children feel like praying is annoying, how do we encourage them to pray without feeling annoying? reason they probably feel it's annoying is because they don't know why they're praying. Why should I pray? All right? Why should I pray? Right? I, I can understand some people are going to think it's annoying. So let me ask one of the kids, right? Uh, what's your name? Ammar. Ammar. Do you have an auntie that you really, really like, who likes you a lot? And whenever you go to her house, she gives you a lot of stuff. She likes hugging you and she gives you a lot of gifts and sweets and things. Do you have an auntie like that? You do, right? Everybody should have one, right? Everybody has one of those colors. You have one as well? Yeah. Um, so now, imagine you go to her house next time. You ignore her. Okay? You ignore her. And uh, you go and run to your cousin's room and you start playing and you just don't even bother saying salam to her. You don't bother greeting her. How is she going to feel? Right. So now, who gave you... Who let you be in the world? Who gave you wonderful parents? Who gave you the clothing and the food you eat? Right. So if you keep ignoring him, is he going to be happy with you? So that's why Allah knows that if we pray five times, we're literally speaking to Allah five times a day. That's what he wants. He says, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to continue giving everything. I just want you to pray five times a day for me. We pray out of thanks for Allah. Do you understand? It's just because we don't know why we pray, it just feels, feels like a chore. It just feels like we're wasting time. What are we doing? We're not getting anything out of it. We don't even know what we're saying in Salat. Right? So let's teach our children what Fatiha means. What, the, what, what you get from prayer. There's a lot of virtues of what you get as the benefit when you pray. So that's how we need to encourage them. And inshallah, if they understand the practicality of prayer, they'll become better prayers, inshallah. There's also a wonderful dua that I think works very well. It's from the Quran. Amazing dua. Oh, our Lord, 
make me of those who establish the prayer, who do the prayer, and from my generations. Not just my children, but everybody until the day of judgment. It's a wonderful dua. Keep reading that dua as well. Is it haram to be a police officer since you're risking your life? No, man. Don't look at police officers risking their life. They're actually risking their life to assist people. If you don't have police in the communities, we'd have anarchy. We'd have chaos. We'd have people committing a lot of wrong. That's why it's, uh, you can be a police officer as long as you do the right thing. And mashallah, I think you guys, uh, in, especially in Newham, have a lot of Muslim police officers. Just don't do the wrong thing in a, as a police officer. Especially in some Muslim countries, police officers uh, take bribes and all sorts of stuff. So it's worse there, but right. you can be a police officer. If you can you listen to nasheeds with music? No, you don't want to do that because that's cheating. That's wrong. Just listen to beautiful voices. Leave the musical instruments. What do you do if you get bullied for how you are? Example, size or weight, etc. You need to go and talk to your teacher and talk to the head teacher and your parents. You need to tell your parents. Don't suffer in silence when you get bullied. The worst thing you can do. Sometimes they might say, if you tell anybody, we're going to beat you up the next day. Then it just becomes worse and worse and it will just mess you up and corrupt you inside. Right? And make you miserable. Go and tell somebody that you trust, your parents first. Then tell your teacher. And they better help you. Okay? They have to help you. And if it gets worse than that, then, you know, it can go beyond that. Okay? Is being homophobic bad because you are discriminating people? Again, I need to understand what it means by being homophobic. Homophobic is a very particular term, right? In Islam, it's very clear that there's a lot of things that Muslims, as Muslims, we're not allowed to do. Okay? For example, you're only allowed to have intercourse, particular type, with a, a wife, husband and wife only. So if they're not married, it's haram. Okay, so that's not allowed. Okay, that's not, there's a lot, more than 50% of the people in this country are fine with that. But we consider that wrong. For a person to be with an animal or with other crazy things, that's, that's also haram in Islam. Okay, so likewise, um, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things like this. So this is not just a simple question like that. In Islam, whatever is considered to be haram is haram. That doesn't mean that we have to go around beating people up about this or discriminating against people because there's lots of people who do wrong. For example, in Islam, it's, in, uh, it's haram to drink wine. I mean, there's so many people drinking wine. Okay, you can say it's wrong. I don't agree it's right. I should have the right to say it's wrong, right? I don't drink. You want to drink, that's your problem. But don't, you know, that, that's, that's your issue. But I don't drink and I think it's wrong. So if you do it to that level, that's completely fine. Uh, teenagers, if a teenager all a time in social media and they don't listen to their parents, how can we advise them? I think that was my whole discussion. Uh, um, what I do, uh, what, I, what I think will be useful is you have to show them the harms of social media. Social media is so gripping and it's so immersive and so obsessive that Children think, what's wrong with you, oh my parents, that you're not allowing me to be on there? It's so interesting. What's wrong with it? So uh, what I found to be useful sometimes is that on, there are certain documentaries and articles written by experts on the harms of social media. If I tell them, if me as a parent tells them, they're just going to think I'm suspicious, right? That I'm just against them. That's why. Have other people explain to them. Let them read these articles, watch these documentaries and this research about how harmful it can be. They're coming from someone else, it might be a bit more convincing. Okay? At the end of the day, you're the parent. You should be able to regulate. You have to have a grip. You have to regulate. What happens if you are forced to do sin if you don't want to? Again, these are two general questions I can't answer. It's like, I want to know what sin you're being forced to do and how you're being forced to do it. Then I can try to answer the question. Because otherwise it could be hundreds of sins, big ones, small ones, how you're being forced. I can't answer that question, you know, unless you tell me. So be specific. It's an anonymous question anyway. I wrote a book on healthy Muslim marriage because if the parents 
are not, uh, you're, you're not, you're, uh, as parents, I, mean, I used to get a lot of issues. So I wrote a book about that. I want to, inshallah, write a book on how to bring healthy children up. Make dua. Right? But it has to start from, if the parents have issues, then the children are going to be unstable. Remember that. If the parents have issues, children are going to be in an unstable situation. And then a lot of them have a lot of problems because they're in an unstable situation. Children need both parents and they need stability in the house. So it's, you owe it. Okay? Jazakallah khairan. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannani ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanak. Inna kunna min al-dhalimin. Oh Allah, accept from us. Oh Allah, accept from us. Oh Allah, make it easy for us. Oh Allah, protect us and protect our children and our progenies until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, protect everybody. And oh Allah, protect us from all the challenges which are out there. All the difficulties which are out there. All the confusion which is out there. Oh Allah, guide us aright. Give us taqwa. Give us love for your faith. And oh Allah, give us enjoyment in our faith. And oh Allah, allow us to be true servants of yours. To get a good understanding of that. And oh Allah, protect us and our children and everybody. And especially our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering. Oh Allah, relieve them. Oh Allah, you have blessed us in so many different ways in this country. You have blessed us in so many different ways. We thank you for all of this blessing that you have given us. Oh Allah, don't allow us to use the blessings in the wrong way and to disobey you. Oh Allah, protect us all. Oh Allah, protect us from humiliation in this world and hereafter. Protect us from the fitness of this world and hereafter. Oh Allah, grant us sweetness in our faith and sweetness in our worship. And oh Allah, allow us to enjoy our prayers. And oh Allah, grant us wonderful parents and grant us wonderful children and a progeny until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, bless our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun alhamdulillah. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.